0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: Everybody has so much variability with the crop and it's uh, field to field, county to county, and it's, it's a mixed bag out there. There's no concrete for sure trend happening with yield by any means.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Monday here on the Ag News Daily podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashen Carr. Ashen, I got to get back into the swing of things now since I've been gone for a few days again.
2: You certainly do, Delaney, but I'll go ahead and catch you up a little bit here because Dawson and I last week on Friday talked about how we were both ready for football season to be back. I believe it was the second home game for Iowa State. And then this weekend was our first home game for Texas Tech. And I had a blast. Shaquille O'Neal was DJing at the tailgate this weekend, Delaney. So I had a lot of fun. That sounds
0: awesome, Ashton. Yeah, we watched the Iowa Iowa State game. We had Ashton Kutcher. He appeared on ESPN's Game Day to be uh, to do the, like the guest pick, and of course, he picked the Hawkeyes to win. I'm a Hawkeye fan. Sorry to say, because I'm sure we've got quite a few Iowa State listeners, Ashton. But yeah, it was a really good game overall. It was fun to watch. Um, unfortunately, I could have gone to the game. We had two friends, two sets of friends that offered us tickets, but we were in Colorado, of course. Um, but I got to go to one of our really good friends' weddings on Saturday in Colorado, and we got engagement photos done, Ashton, and they look spectacular already. Our photographer gave us a few guest, a few sneak peeks already, and I'm in love with them. So, overall, we missed some great football, but it was kind of worth it.
2: Well, I'm really excited to see your photos. I can't wait to look at them online, hopefully, whenever you post them. But on the note of football, I do have one more thing to add. You know, I'm not too big on football or really sports in general, unless it's basketball. But Texas Tech is in the Big 12. And we just had the announcement that OU and uh, UT are leaving the Big 12 to go, I believe, into the S. EC and UT just had their first game against Arkansas and they were beat out pretty bad. So I don't know how this new transition is going to go.
0: Well, it sounds like, you know, a lot about football Ashton.
2: Just that because I think that this movement kind of rattled the big 12 a little bit. We now are playing since UT and OU left, um, someone from Florida. I can't remember which school, Cincinnati and BYU. And so I'm excited to see at least how BYU goes since, you know, that is a traditionally Mormon school and Texas Tech is a little bit of a party school, I've got to say. So I'm excited to see how some of those fans react on their first trip to Lubbock.
0: Mm, That could be interesting. Good point there, Ashton. But actually, for folks not necessarily in Lubbock, but on the other side of Texas, they are unfortunately preparing for another tropical storm. This one is Storm Nicholas, which is approaching Texas as well as Louisiana and could be a pretty devastating once again hurricane. And this is still while we're continuing to deal with the aftermath here of Hurricane Ida. But Nicholas is expected to make landfall in Texas by tonight. And heavy rain and flash flooding is expected to be a major concern in parts of Texas and Louisiana. Strong gusts of wind are also expected. So it doesn't sound like it's going to be quite as bad as Hurricane Ida, but still definitely one to uh, kind of button down the hatches and prepare for. And the USDA has already kicked out kind of a warning, I suppose you could say, to producers and residents to get in the mindset of preparing for this tropical storm, because it definitely could be a bad one, Ashton.
2: Yeah, and even though it's a tropical storm, of course, it could produce a lot of damage. I mean, we just talked last week with um, Shane over in Mississippi talking about cotton. And, you know, he said that the cotton experienced worse damage from a tropical storm that hit earlier before Hurricane Ida made landfall. So, I mean, even though it's just a tropical storm, I think we should be keeping an eye out on that for sure. But I'm going to move things along here. Talking about dicamba the EPA is collecting in-depth information for their next decision on a Dicamba registration. The agency sent letters to the four Dicamba registrants requesting that all information recorded on the adverse effects of Dicamba products in the past year to ensure that the EPA has all relevant information to decide on re-registration of the Dicamba and label restrictions. Of course, The restrictive label and registration requirements were implemented back in October 2020, but it looks like the EPA is going to be revisiting this, and honestly, I'm not extremely surprised just because of litigation and things of that nature might, of course, be on the rise once again, but just thought it was something that we should be keeping our eyes out on today, Delaney.
0: I absolutely agree, Ashton. And another thing we need to be keeping our eyes on here is a fire at Nebraska's largest cattle processing facility in Grand Island. Sunday evening at a JBS meatpacking facility in Grand Island, Nebraska, Fire trucks were called uh, around 10.30, I think it was, p.m. on Sunday night uh, due to a fire. So far, we have seen the facility shut down for all of today, kind of waiting to see what happens tomorrow. The cause of the fire is still unknown. But this process, this this plant processes about 6,000 head of cattle a day. So it is a pretty good sized facility here. And... Could see some disruption to the beef supply chains short term. Uh, I did touch on this with Naomi Bloom here coming up for our markets in just a moment. So I won't steal too much of that away. But definitely an interesting story to watch this develop. And Ashton, I'm going to steal the spotlight here for just one more second. You know, because I think we haven't touched on this a ton, but that's fertilizer prices. We're continuing, of course, to see those back to some fresh highs. I believe about 15 month highs, according to an article I was reading earlier this morning. And this is expected to largely continue because of especially what we're seeing on going on right now down in Hurricane Ida territory. But last week, CF Industries, which is a pretty large urea facility down in Donald's, the Donaldsonville, Louisiana is still trying to get some of their facilities back up and running. They've got about 19 plants and six ammonia and five urea plants. And a lot of those are not back up and running in full effect yet. So that's also why we could continue to see at least short term here, the price of fertilizer as a whole continue to go up. Not only, you know, you couple that with commodity prices and we always typically see Input costs go up when we do have strong commodity prices. So, all in all, it's expected to see this trend continue for the fertilizer industry.
2: I don't have anything to add when it comes to fertilizer, Delaney, but kind of going back to that JBS story and that fire that happened in Grand Island. I, I believe that the expansion of this facility was supposed to be set to finish later this summer. I don't think that they're finished with it yet. So I wonder if that's going to push it back even more and have a little bit more of an effect on, you know, meat in that area. Um, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit more long-term, not super, but I don't know, going to have to keep our eyes on out. You're right. on that one.
0: Yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about that too. They, they were, in a phase where they were trying to ramp things up, so glad you uh, were keeping an eye on that one, Ashton.
2: Well, Delaney, I have a little bit of a follow-up here, talking about the story that we shared last week about the White House and their plan to address meat, pack- meat packing meatpacking profiteering. And there was a little back and forth, I think, and especially when it came to, you know, those involved in meatpacking and processing on how they took the news that Biden was trying to get some kind of plan going. It sounded a little bit like he was kind of pointing a finger to the industry a little bit, but a cattle industry group says that it's historic to see consolidation and competition in the meatpacking industry elevated all the way up to the White House. Leah Bayendo with the U.S. Cattlemen's Association said that last week's press briefing and report on consolidation in the meatpacking industry outlines how the big four meatpackers are generating record profits during this pandemic at the expense of consumers, farmers, and ranchers. During the press briefing, director of the National Economic Council, Brian Deese, said that beef and pork Beef and pork prices have doubled in the past few months and are largely behind recent price increases at grocery stores. And we've seen that Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack outlined steps the administration is taking to make sure that producers get fair returns and consumers get fair prices. Vilsack said that the current regulatory system needs to be strengthened. There needs to be transparent price discovery for producers and labeling for consumers processing and expanded, and there needs to be more resiliency in the food system. We've been, of course, talking about meatpacking a whole lot, Delaney, and I just wanted to kind of follow up with this as Vilsack kind of pinpointed exactly what needs to be done, but how we're going to get that done is really what I want to know.
0: Yeah, that's a good question, Ashton, and I don't have any great insight into that either, unfortunately. But one thing I do have some insight into is how commodity prices finished for today. what do you say? We hop over there and take a look. Let's do it. fantastic. well, of course, on Friday, we had the big wazy report, which I know you and Dawson touched on, so we won't really go into that too much here today. However, Naomi and I do do a little bit of the discussion about what we can expect here moving forward, and I won't steal too much of her thunder, but uh. It might be safe to say that we've put in some lows for harvest season already coming off of last week's report, but... We did see some continued red on the screen today with the December corn contract finishing down four and a quarter cent to close at 513 and a quarter. November soybeans down a penny and three quarters to close at 1248 and three quarters. In the Chicago wheat pits today, the December contract down a penny and a half to close at 687. Now hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets, we did see some short term reaction today to that news of the Grand Island fire, but Things, we're able to turn around here, still finishing in the red, but to uh Climbing their way back up towards neutral territory, October live cattle today closed a dollar fifteen lower to end at one twenty two twenty seven and a half. The December down a dollar oh seven and a half to close at one twenty seven fifteen. In feeder cattle today, the October contract down two dollars twenty seven and a half cents to close at one fifty five forty five. The November down a dollar ninety seven and a half to close at one fifty seven fifteen. And in lean hogs today, that weakness continued as the October contract shed a to close at eighty seven and a half the december down two dollars 72 and a half cents to close the day out at 73 37 and a half. and lastly wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures the only market to today to see some green with the october contract adding nine cents to close at 17 43 the november up four cents to close at 17 34 ashton without further ado let's kick it over to my conversation with naomi bloom Well, folks, for today's Hashtag Market Monday episode, chatting with Naomi Bloom of Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, good to talk to you again. Yeah, you too, Delaney. Thanks for having me. Naomi, I've got to ask here before we get into the markets a little bit more, how are crops looking up in your area? Are folks getting ready to get started here?
1: It's really mixed where I'm at in Wisconsin. Um, So where I live... We had a really nice summer, crops look good. You go to Southern Wisconsin and it's that's where they had the droughts. And so crops and what I'm hearing for silage are really mixed. Central part of Wisconsin is dealing with white mold in the soybeans cause we had too much rain and heat in August. Uh, just talked with a client up east of the twin cities in Wisconsin. Um, so he was just starting to do corn silage and it was coming in about as expected. So we're really all over the place here. And that's kind of what I've been hearing too from clients throughout the Midwest. Everybody has so much variability with the crop and it's uh, field to field, county to county, and it's it's a mixed bag out there. There's no concrete for sure trend happening with yield by any means.
0: Now, I'm glad you mentioned that, Naomi, because I think that leads us nicely to talking about last week's WASDE report, because we did see yield increased on the corn side of things by USDA on the report. Did that feel wrong is not the best word to use, but that's the one coming to mind, I guess. Did that feel incorrect on their part to make that move?
1: Um, I, You know, I think so. I, we were all expecting an increase um, but it was, I thought, maybe a little bit higher than what it needed to be. But when you step back and look at the bigger picture, it still is kind of in the ballpark of where they thought it would be all year long in in essence. So it's a little bit of tweaking and massaging on the balance sheet. So that's kind of normal for USDA. Uh, but a lot of people I'm talking to are thinking that ultimately yield is gonna end up working a little bit lower again on future reports. And I think the market responded pretty strongly with that higher close on Friday, putting in bullish reversals for corn and soybean charts, essentially trying to put in a bottom off of a bearish report is a pretty big deal. Like the market is trying to say that the harvest low may indeed be here.
0: So you're talking December corn, we broke below $5. That might be our harvest low for the season.
1: I really think it is actually. I think that $5 is going to hold. We want to see for sure where demand is going forward and needing to understand for sure where the supplies are now i'm i'm still thinking that old crop ending stocks might be a little bit tighter than what usda is suggesting we'll get a little bit more of that on september 30th that's the quarterly stocks report so that'll be kind of a a final recap of the old crop scenario so I just think the corn story is not quite done. I think the demand is strong, and when you have input costs just escalating dramatically, especially because of fertilizer costs uh, cost doubling, is what I'm hearing from clients. Um, we need higher corn prices to make sure we get those acres planted next year. So lots to lots to keep watching and talking about in the coming weeks and coming months. Naomi, before
0: we switch out of talking about corn here, five dollars I know was a pretty big support level for a lot of folks. Is that still an area we see support, or did last week's trade change that?
1: Five dollars is definitely still support on the charts. That was the two hundred day moving average, and of course, that's just the five dollar psychological standpoint. So today, we've got disc corn five thirteen and a quarter. Uh, September grains go off the board here uh, pretty quick. I think tomorrow's the last, and then we have those for the March contract. contract at 5.22. So the market in general, when you look at all five months, the five-dollar line continues. So I think it will going forward.
0: Naomi, as we transition here to talking about soybeans, they also uh, didn't receive the most favorable report last week. What's your stance here moving forward for new crop soybeans?
1: Well, I'm thinking soybeans maybe get to see some more acres next year, just again, because of what we're seeing for input costs on the corn side. And as far as yield goes, it'll be kind of all over the place as well. There's a lot of um, concern about there as far as where the yield is at. So to me, it feels like the soybean market also is trying to put some firm footing in and find it slow here for going forward. Of course, with soybeans, we need to get the Gulf open sooner than later to get those soybeans exported and on their way to China. Yeah,
0: I'm glad you mentioned that, Naomi. What I feel like we haven't heard a ton of news really coming out still about Hurricane Ida, other than they're still kind of assessing the damage, but what's your outlook here longer term as far as getting those exports sent out since this is such an imperative port?
1: Yeah. So um, with soybeans, you know, it's I think it's kind of even where half the beans go out the Pacific Northwest on rail and then go to China that way. And then the other half go through the Gulf. And what I heard today is that there's uh, three of the 12 facilities down at the Gulf are up and running or very soon will be up and running and then the other ones now that the power is getting restored they're able to kind of survey the damage that's there and we're still trying to figure it out my hope is that we get it up and running you know within the next month to two months so that way when harvest is really wrapped up or, or getting going that we'll have a place to send those beans and get them down river so they can get going but we just don't have enough information yet to know for sure how extensive the damage is or isn't. Naomi,
0: another big fundamental event that just broke last night into this morning, switching tracks here to the cattle market, was this fire in a JBS Grand Island plant. Uh, Can we draw similarities here to this plant and the fire we saw in the Holcomb, Kansas facility a couple years ago?
1: Well, you know, good question. And my thought is that because we've gone through a plant fire before we kind of know what to expect so it didn't rock the markets like it did the last time we dealt with a big fire like this markets did initially trade over two bucks lower but we did come back at the close finishing about a dollar lower so i think that's a pretty good indicator that the market is trying to say okay that's it's an issue but it's not as big of an issue as potentially it was last time around So that's gonna definitely back up some cattle in the country. But when you stop and look at where demand truly is, I think demand is gonna be stronger than it was last fall, just because we actually are tailgating this year. We saw TV over the weekend. I mean, the stadiums for college and and national um, NFL football were full. So there's demand there. People are still getting out and about. So I think we'll see stronger domestic demand than a year ago. And our export market continues to just be phenomenal. I read this morning that cumulative export sales for 2021 are at 833,000 tons, and that's up from 690,000 tons a year ago. This is the highest on record. So the demand is there. Um, We just need to continue to see the demand there. And I think we're all too um, also aware how going forward into 2022, there's gonna be less cattle available and so that should keep prices supported as well. I'm looking to see that overall. I think this correction that we've had over the last week to two weeks is going to be a buying opportunity for speculators uh, pretty soon.
0: So, Naomi, you do think that the past couple of weeks here has just been corrective? I mean, because we've dropped almost $10 since the end of August until now in the October live cattle contract.
1: Yeah, That was a big correction. You know, the cash market just has been kind of on a lull here lately. And I think part of that because the Packers have so much ability to manage their own cash markets and facilitate their own needs. So that bidding up hasn't had to occur. Um, But I think it's going to start to work higher here in the short term. I, I just I might. I just really think that the demand is going to be there domestically and abroad. So I'm still friendly to the cattle in the bigger picture. And it was one heck of a correction. You got that right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, Naomi. Do you have similar sentiment when you look at the lean hog market?
1: Well, you know there is a marketplace that just continues to kind of ebb and flow between what it hears from news from China and what it what doesn't occur, so that just has been um working around every single headline that's out there. October hogs finished the day at eighty seventy seven that was down one sixty seven hogs also finished a little bit lower. you know when you look at the market trends there um there's just um, kind of similar to cattle where it had that corrective push lower over the last week. But what I did not like today is that it actually closed below the 200-day moving average on charts. So I'm wondering, does it see a little bit more technical selling for the short term? It could definitely use some good cash news and some good export news this week. That would help indeed.
0: And Naomi, since you are kind of our resident dairy expert, anything to report there in the dairy markets?
1: Well, keeping an eye on the the new program that's come through from the USDA, it's not the same as the the food box program from the previous administration, uh, but that marketplace is really hoping that we're going to continue to see some forms of improved demand production. When you look at the milk production reports, they have been trending lower. We still have year over year gains, but the amount of the gains is getting lower. So that marketplace kind of stuck in the um, low to mid $17 level. And it's just waiting for some fresh news, either from cheese demand or from a production standpoint. Um, but again, exports have overall for this year been pretty fantastic. So hopefully we see that continue for the rest of the year.
0: Fantastic. Well, Naomi, before I let you go, if folks want to chat markets with you a little bit more, how can they do so?
1: Yeah, give me a call at 800-334-9779. That's the number at Total Farm Marketing. Or you can find me on Twitter. Send me a direct message. My uh, tag is at Naomi Bloom. That's my handle.
0: Fantastic. Well, Naomi, thanks again for coming on and chatting markets today. Certainly appreciate it.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, again, a big thank you there to Naomi for coming on and chatting markets today. Certainly appreciate her insight. And folks, you might need to go back and re-listen to that one because I feel like there's a lot of information we got from her today. And markets are being pretty volatile lately. So uh, definitely an important one to go back to re-listen to.
2: And they can go and do that, of course, on the Ag News Daily website, Delaney and agnewsdaily.com or wherever they find their podcasts. And they should also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily if they want to stay on top of the rest of our market Mondays. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go?
0: Let's let them go.